On this festival of St. James the Elder, the lesson comes from Acts chapter 12, beginning the first verse. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Here ends the lesson. The epistle reading is recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning verse 9. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like men condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to men. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored, we are dishonored. To this very hour we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags, we are brutally beaten, we are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment, we have become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. Here ends the epistle. We stand in honor of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 10, beginning the 35th verse. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left, in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. 
Instead, whoever wants to become become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He rends the Holy Gospel. Shalom. I am great, can't you tell? I am great. Do you believe me? You better, because I have a fishing knife. Doesn't that scare you? It ought to. I'm a rough and tumble guy from the Sea of Galilee, and we're not afraid of anything. Even storms had come through. Or once in a while getting tangled up in the net. I'm not afraid of drowning. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm James, the son of Zebedee. And I was destined to receive my father's business. Everybody worked for Zebedee if you were in the fishing business. We saw to it. We made the money. You, you may have heard of us, maybe. Zebedee ran the whole thing. I, James, next in line. My little brother, John. What a pushover. Well, he looked like him. No beard, no nothing. Just a young, nice guy. And there are two other characters. One was Peter. He was a loud mouth. Now, Andrew, uh, he was kind of overly religious. Um, in fact, he got tied up with John the Baptist for a while. He was afraid of storms. He didn't like getting the thought of dying, so he was going to make real sure that he wasn't going to go to the smoky, bad, hot place. You may know it as hell. I learned of it as Sheol. You might wonder how in the world I ended up being, of all things, a religious guy who followed a guy named Jesus. By the way, there's all kinds of Jesuses back in my day. Let's see. What kind of name have you got? Kenneth. Kenneth. What kind of name is that? Any, any Jimmies around here? I think that's what you'd call me today. I would have been Big Jimmy. Big Jimmy the dangerous and important. This Jesus, however, we started hearing about him. Andrew started messing up the fishing business. Do you know that? He told his, his brother Peter, he said, we have found the promised Messiah. So he pulled Peter off work, and the two of them went jaunting over to see this Jesus. Well, who do you think's running the business then? Me and John. We had to do all the work. We didn't necessarily like the idea. Although on occasion, Jesus would give these sermons from a boat, usually Peter's boat, Andrew's idea. Who's out still working? Yours truly. And little John there. We didn't necessarily appreciate it, but I tell you, 
You listen to that guy Jesus talking from the boat. He said two things that no rabbi ever said. By the way, rabbis didn't have anything to do with guys like me because we smelled like old fish. Our knife was for gutting and cutting up fish. We smelled like old fish nets. I think you have a place up north called the Upper Peninsula. I, maybe you know some people up there maybe smelled like me. Jesus in his sermon said two things that the rabbis never said. Never. First was, for example, Kenneth, you're hopeless. You're utterly and completely hopeless. So is your wife. So is your mother-in-law. So there. Anybody think that they're heading on to heaven because they're such a good, a good guy, maybe like a Pharisee? Any, any people out there? Come on. Down deep in your heart, you still believe that. Many people think you're going to heaven because you're a good guy or you're nice. You pay your taxes with a smile. Stuff like that. But he said everybody is hopeless. Everyone is heading toward God's judgment and there's not anything, not even thunder, that can stop you. Now that levels everybody. I rather like that. Because none of those Pharisees with their nose in the air thinking they're better than me were just as equally hopeless. It levels everything out. But then again, who wants to be leveled out in Sheol, in hell? So the first part was kind of nice. You're no better than I am. I'm as bad as you are, and vice versa. But the second part, the rabbis kept saying, if you first learn all the law, all of it, 616 commandments. Can you imagine keeping that straight, Ken? Can you keep 616 anything straight? He's working on 10. You can't do that either. Ah, uh, we could ask a question at this point, but we won't, shall we? Rabbis kept saying, learn the law, keep the law. Keep it, keep it, keep it all the time. Your whole life is to be law-keeping. Set up straight. Do you think I'm kidding? They had rules about everything. They said you couldn't crack open a walnut on the Sabbath day because it broke the commandment about the Sabbath. I never quite figured that out. But this Jesus talked about God's chen, his grace, or his chesed, his undeserved love toward us. And it was that love that was going to redeem us or save us. It had nothing to do with what I do or don't do. It was a gift, a gracious gift. Those two things he talked about. So, on the one occasion where we had worked hard all night, I mean myself and John and the other two goof-offs, 
We caught nothing. That's to put us on our place. But then when Jesus said, well, you know, why don't you just launch out in the deep? That's stupid. Fish aren't in the deep in the early morning. Launch out in the deep and drop your nets and you'll catch a whole bunch. Now, I thought it was pretty stupid, but I didn't say anything. Thank you. There we go. We let, we dropped the nets. We didn't throw them. We didn't set them out. We dropped them. We shouldn't have caught a, a blessed thing. But we had so much fish, so many fish. We had to get the other part of the crew over because our boat was getting up to the gunnels there, kind of right there at waterline. And so was theirs, and so we barely made it back to shore. But the headline could have been, Two Fishing Boats Sunk by Fish. So many. Now that impressed me. Who can tell fish what to do? You can't even tell people what to do, let alone fish. So we just dropped everything. And unless you think that that was terrible... Uh, there were some other people that worked for my dad. There were other workers for Zebedee, so he was going to be okay. But we dropped everything and just followed this Jesus. <sighs> I tell you, it'd take too long to go through everything, except I want to point out that, like the one time there was this little girl who just died, the daughter of Jairus, 12 years old, who is it that got to go into the room with Jesus to watch him raise the dead? It was Peter, James, and John. Who got to go on the Mount of Transfiguration and see Jesus in all of his heavenly brilliance? Peter, James, and John. At that point, I had a little spiritual problem. If he's always singling Peter, James, and John as important, maybe I really am somebody. So John and I started talking and figuring out, you know, we got to get this thing ready. we got to take our activities and make our attempt. So we came up to Jesus and said, we want you to do anything we ask. We want to be on the right and left hand in your kingdom. That's like vice president and secretary of state. He didn't do anything about it. So we didn't give up, though. We got Mama, Mrs. Zebedee. She came up and asked Jesus on our behalf whether we could sit at the right and left. That didn't work either. We had an argument <clears throat> with the rest of them. They were just mad because they didn't ask first. But they were mad at us. So Jesus had to tell all of us, look, that's not how this kingdom works. We're not going to be forcing people to do things like the Romans. We aren't going to lord it over other poor people. 
were to be servants, literally, douloi, slaves. As in whatever someone else needs, they're in charge, and we just do it. That also became a problem. After about three years, I figured something good should start happening. Shouldn't the money be rolling in? Shouldn't the prestige and the power start coming? And then Jesus started saying, take up your cross daily and continue to be happily following me. Well, if he wanted to go to a cross, okay, that's his business. I didn't particularly want to go to a cross. Jesus went to the cross like he said, and the only person who finally was there to see it was John, partly because he had no beard and didn't look dangerous. But he told us what it was like, and we had seen those from afar. And I really thought that when Jesus said, take up your cross, he was just kind of like a poet. Like, I do this, I get crucified, you should serve, leave it at that. None of this cross stuff. So I fully expected nothing would happen. Um, are there any people here who brought food to this thing called VBS? Any, any food bringer-outers? Oh, there's got to be some of you. I just can't see too well. There's one. Yeah, there was this deacon guy. He brought food to the widows. Maybe you know what happened to him. He's just a meals on wheels kind of guy. He'd bring food to people. They arrested him. Nothing new. We'd been arrested before. But they took that poor guy, this lowly server of food, and they stoned him to death. Well, I still thought to myself, that might happen to lowly people, you know, average Christians like Ken. But I'm an apostle. I mean, I'm one of the 12. I'm part of the inner circle. I had even been with Jesus close in in Gethsemane. Again, Peter, James, and John. I thought that there'd be some trouble, but not that, and I'd never have to give my life for him. I think this is exactly where most of you are. Sure, you've heard stories about Christians who died for their faith. Sure, you know it was a terrible time, but doggone it, you're an American. That stuff doesn't happen here. Any here expect to die for their faith? Oh, one brave soul almost put his hand up. Oh, go ahead, put it all away. Not supposed to, okay. It's a medical thing, I think. So, I was living my Christian faith. I was helping those around. I was telling those two things about being hopeless and then about God's gracious love, undeserved. And 
one day I was just minding my own business when someone else with one of these came up. Now the Bible uses the word sword, and that may be not quite accurate. Any kind of knife about this size was considered a makaira, a little sword, something you could kill somebody with. And the term that's used does not mean that they arrested me first. Oh, no, no. The Greek word means, and I have to find a better way of putting it. Any ever, ever heard of the mafia, the costra nostra, the mob? Well, Ken knows about those things. That's amazing. What the text says in the book of Acts about my martyrdom is that one of Herod's men simply came up to me, nice and close, because it was often kind of crowded in the street, took out his knife and just shivved me, stuck it in me, and walked off. And I crumpled down and died. No trial, no jail, no chance to defend myself, just shivved off. That's how they killed me. Hey, I didn't get crucified, did I? But then again, I did give my life for Christ in that seemingly humble way. Every one of the apostles will die for Jesus in some way, except for my baby-faced brother John. He doesn't get to die any of those ways. He dies of old age. And if you think that's easier than getting shivved with a knife, I'm not sure that's true. I am James, supposedly the greater. But I am not. Greatness is only for Christ because of what he does for you. I am great in how I was blessed. And I was blessed by being able to give my life as a witness to others about Christ. So I simply say, if there's anything about my poor life that you can see as valuable, if you could see in my life how Christ can change you from being arrogant to being humble, trusting not in self but in Christ then good. That's what's great anyway. It's always Jesus. Well, I think it's about time I go. I'm going to leave John in charge here. So whatever he says to do, you do it. Yep. John? John?